You are women of whom the world is not worthy. But your worth is of such eternal value We're going to hear all about how he views okay, your worthiness. Wait a minute, just come here. Isn't she the most amazing leader? Oh. I keep going. All of the time that God has built and spent into her life to make her ready for this moment to minister to us is absolutely incredible thank you Lori. you love us well and you lead us in such a godly way thank you so now that you know that i think that you are women of whom the world is not worthy and now that you know that as i look at you you shine like stars in the universe i want to tell you something else It is an overwhelming privilege for me to speak to you. I am just Debbie, and I get to talk to you. And I know around every single table, you have a life that is worth listening to. You have stories that are worth telling. You have learned lessons that are worth teaching. We could give this microphone to any one of you, and in a heartbeat, you would bring honor and glory to Jesus with what you have to say. So I don't take this privilege lightly, that in these moments together, I get to share with you. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you, Jesus. Let's talk to him. Unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. Father, we've asked you to enlarge the borders of our hearts that we might understand how much you love us. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to visit us again today with your teaching ministry. And I would pray, Father, if it would be of you, that there would be one word, one phrase, one sentence or one concept, one seed thought that could be watered by your spirit in the life of each woman and make a difference for a lifetime. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. You are the redeemer. You are my rock. In your name I pray, amen. Guess where we're going to turn? Mark 12, 28 to 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answer, Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. 
The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then, from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. And so as we visited yesterday, love the Lord your God with all your heart, we will go this morning and move forward to love the Lord your God with all your soul. Now, if you're like me and you think about the word soul, you can feel a bit bewildered. And you can feel it's a sense of a mystic term. But think about this by way of definition. It is the immaterial part of us that will live forever. It is alive, and it is alive eternally. So the, wor- the word soul indicates the immaterial or invisible parts of a person um, that, will be al- that, w- that is alive and will live throughout eternity. And I think, though, the most amazing thing is that the word soul just springs to life when we look at it in Scripture. And so that's what we will do today. And I share with you where we're going because I believe that we unlock three of the greatest secrets in the Christian life when we venture to consider three secrets. The first would be the supernatural power of rest, the supernatural power of release, And the supernatural power of the words, he restores my soul. So that's where we're headed. The first soul secret, the supernatural power of rest, takes me back to a journey when God began to do this work of soul in my own life. You know, I spoke with you that we lived in four countries with four languages, four different cultures, uh, counting America. But we lived in Poland, we lived in Germany, and we lived in Hungary. And so the portion of the story that I'm just going to dive bomb into right now came in the middle of those last 17 years when we were living in Budapest. (coughs) And it was a time when our family experienced, all in just a very few months, two major surgeries, the diagnosis of a life-changing disease, one child graduating from high school, two children going off to university a continent away, the not-so-welcome empty nest, the death of someone who was just like a second father to me, and the increase of a stewardship of ministry that included 20 countries, across 11 time zones, 350 million people. Missionaries get what that might mean. So in the midst of all this, I felt like my soul was coming unglued. I felt pulled. I felt tossed. I felt turned upside down. 
I wasn't sure how to get on with it. But my method was pull it together, figure it out, and get on with life. But when I applied the normal procedures, remedies, fixes, they just didn't work. The dynamics were too great. So I don't know, the equilibrium, you know, inside of me, the gyroscope, it just kept twirling instead of calm, calming down. And I don't know if you have ever been in an ocean and felt like you were drowning. When the waves were coming at you one way, when the current was taking you the other way, and when the shore was getting farther and farther from you, and when the shoes, the water shoes, were pulling you down and under, and when you did not have on a life preserver. That's, I have been in that situation, and, and that is what this, this time felt like to me. And I kept thinking, if I can just get some relief, just some relief, relief is my answer. But in that swirling whirlwind the Lord began to show me he had a different plan his plan was not relief his plan was rest and so he took me and I'll be there until he takes me home to and I want to invite you to go there with me to Psalm 62 we will look at two very simple verses he says in Psalm 62, the first verse, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. Now then move down to verse 5. And what does he say there? Find rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. So I discovered that there was here a statement followed by a command. And God took those two principles and used them like bookends, just like he's the Alpha and the Omega. He took my soul finds rest in God alone and the command, find rest, O soul, in God alone. And he had Debbie right in the middle and he began to hold me up. And what I had thought was the best for me, my relief, he began to show me the best was rest. And with these two simple verses and with journeying forward, there were four things that I want to share with you. I'll share them and then I'll repeat them. How about that? It is not the absence of pressure that brings rest, but the presence of Jesus. Rest can be realized by basking in his presence amidst the presence of pressure. While as humans we pursue relief, his best is always rest. If we seek relief, we will never discover rest. If we seek rest, we will discover relief. I'm so happy. And, you know, I invite that. And there's another lady over here I can trust. I invite that if I should stop and repeat something. You know, because I want to remind you 
This is not about presenting. This is about offering. And I want to offer you anything that can help. I just don't want to put you to sleep. But, but if you need a nap, God bless you. Put your head on the table and just let the ravens come and feed you. But, okay, so these are the four, the four principles. What, dear heart? Oh, Val, where did you get that? Some people, you know, okay. Now then, I love that kind of spirit in the audience. Okay, it is not the absence of pressure that brings rest, but the presence of Jesus. Rest can be realized by basking in his presence amidst the presence of pressure. While as humans we pursue relief, his best is always rest. If we seek relief, we will never discover rest. Whereas if we seek rest, we will discover relief. And to further minister to me um, in the deep needs that I had, the deep needs of soul, he took me to, Z <coughs> to Isaiah 43, 1 to 3. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, you will, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. It will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And you know, the waters and the rivers and the fires that so many of us walk, walk through are not just physical. We walk through mental and spiritual and emotional waters and rivers and fires, don't we? And what do we find? His presence. And we look at those words very closely. Come back to them when you're at home alone by yourself and you're in the midst of a fire. Come back here. And look what he says. It is now if you pass through the waters or if you pass through the rivers or if you pass through the fires. What does it say? When. when. I hear a chorus. <laughs> when. We know it's for real. And you know what else he says? Not around. Through. There are just no shortcuts when we want to walk with Jesus. We walk the path that he gives us to walk. But what do we get? His presence. He says, I will be with you. When I've tried to take my shortcuts... And go around and not through. I've gone by myself. And though I may have created an easier path. It was not the right path. And I did not have the resources that I would have had had I gone through. The if, the when. 
the not, if, but when, and the not around, but through are significant realities there. Another beautiful verse, and we do love it so much, that he gave me in this situation, Exodus 33, 14. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Does he say my presence will go with you, and I'll give you relief? My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And I do believe when we rest in him, we're going to get the relief that we were trying to create for ourselves. But my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then let's visit over um, in Matthew, Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. I will give you relief. Come to me, I'll give you relief. Come to me, I'll give you rest. Come to me, and you will find relief for your soul. You will find rest for your soul, and thereby experience, I believe, relief. So there you have it, dear ladies, what that season was like, kerplunk right in the middle of those 17 years that we were living in Budapest. Did I find some equilibrium that spiritually strengthened me to move ahead? Yes, it did. And that will lead us to the second secret, the second soul secret, the power of release. One hot, sticky September evening... I found myself in a musty, dusty hotel room in Bucharest, Hungary. Oh, thank you. Yes, Budapest, Hungary. It's Bucharest, <laughs> Romania. Jill, thank you. Thank you. We're a team here, aren't we? I've got a deep bench. Um, <laughs> and so I was um, awake in the middle of the night in this musty, dusty hotel room in Bucharest, Romania. And since the final diagnosis of our daughter's multiple sclerosis, I had been in this battle of tension with the Lord. So let me take you back. At this point in time, she was 22 years old, our firstborn. This is the toddler that we took, remember, to live covertly behind the Iron Curtain. This is the young woman as a teenager that God chose to use to share the gospel with a part of the Moscow Circus. This is the young woman that skied downhill, loved snow skiing downhill. This is the young woman that played university volleyball. And there was one night when Larry and I were home alone, the, the teenagers, and she was on one side of the world, the other two were uh, not at home, and we were watching a movie. The phone rang. I'll never forget where we were in that movie. And on the other side of the, the, f on the, other side of the line in um, Wheaton, Illinois, is this little quiet voice. Mom, Dad, the doctor says that my tests are not normal. He thinks I have multiple sclerosis. 
And at that point in time, we hung up the phone. And I said, Larry, what are we going to do? He said, we're going to do the one thing we know to do. We're going to get on our knees and we're going to say, thank you, Jesus. We cannot make it without you. So in that journey, that is the journey of a heartbreak to this day, I found myself then about three months later from this phone call awake in this musty, dusty hotel room in Romania. And I was saying, here was the tension that was going on inside of me. God, I know you can heal her. I know you can. You do it in the Gospels. Jesus touches and heals. Jesus speaks and heals. So I knew he could heal her. So this was my battle over this three-month period that came to conclusion as I'm describing this hotel night. The other side of this dilemma is he's calling me to accept this. He's calling me to accept it. What if he doesn't heal her? So I had been going back and forth experiencing these two spiritual tensions and not knowing where to land. And in that night, he abruptly woke me up in that dusty, musty hotel room, and I knew what he was asking. He was asking me to say, Thy will be done. It's the prayer that always gets answered. And it was the prayer that I had not prayed. So there, alone with him in my heart, though not alone, my husband was with me, I had to do the one thing that he wanted me to do. I had to open my hands and say, Thy will be done. I trust you. And you know, we've talked about I will go anywhere, do anything, anytime. Remember, in the terms of releasing our lives to the Lord, we never know we will come back to those places in issues other than geography. There are medical issues. There are financial issues. There are family issues where we still have to go Thy will be done anything, anytime, anywhere. So, do I still ask God for her healing? You better believe it. You better believe it. Does my heart still break each time I enter her home after having been away weeks or months? You better believe it. It does. Can you imagine what it's like to say, hey, when she says, hey, mom, can you please help me with my shoes? She's 45 years old. I've been down to help her with the shoes. I feel right here in my heart the reality. I taught her to do this, to take care of her own shoes at three years old. I never knew at 45 I would need to still help her with her shoes. But do you know the difference now? There is peace in the pain because not only have I said thy will be done she has said thy will be done so the secret of those supernatural words thy will be done bring us to the place of a soul at rest
You know, we wonder will I, at times like that, will I ever be happy again? Or is this the rest of my life? And that's when we get to understand the sweetness of those words that Paul says, sorrowful yet rejoicing. Both are true. And we are called to live life on two levels. And until we come to make our peace with that, we will continue to have an ongoing turmoil inside of us. But I think Elizabeth Elliot explains it so beautifully when she says, in acceptance lies peace. And I don't share these words with you by way of a martyr. I share these words with you from a position of victor, not because of me, but because of Jesus. He leads us in triumphant procession. You know what else he says? That I, name, that I may know him. The power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. All of these take place, I believe, on a soul level when we come to him and say, thy will be done. There is a third secret. I would like to share with you the supernatural power of the words he restores my soul. And if you look carefully in your booklet, it's not there. But it's here. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. This is, um, this takes us to another country, another season. And I'll speak from the, the address of Germany in this story. It was one, one fall afternoon. And... The children had been dropped off from school at the end of the sidewalk. The bus had dropped them off, and they had made their way home. And what I have to share with you, it took a long time for me to share this story. It represents one of the low points in my life as a mother. Well, the children came running into the door, tossed off their German backpacks, big backpacks. Can Germans attest to that? And then the shoes and the coats and the boots, all of these things were thrown into this tiny little tile foyer. Well, the space was not big enough for one adult, much less three children and all their happenings. And so they had tossed them, and they were eager to get to their snack in the kitchen of, you know, the cookies and the milk. I was not there to greet them at the door because I was behind on my schedule. I had not gotten everything done that I needed to do before they returned home. I had been in the basement ironing. And so I came up from the basement. I turned the corner, and I saw that foyer, you know, the sheer curtains, the green tile, the mahogany shrunk. I saw all of that before I saw or heard them. I saw what they had done. They had dumped all that stuff in the tile foyer. And I thought, what on earth? They know better than this. I mean, we've got the house rules. They're not supposed to do this. What if we had a fire? I mean, how can we get out? <laughs> and it just all ramped up. With every thought, I just escalated further and further. And here's the part that I wish I could take back. With ceremonial flair, I opened the door. Threw out the coats, I threw out the boots, I threw out the shoes, and I threw out the backpacks. I mean, I didn't throw, I didn't sling them, but they had a good toss. 
Okay, dealt with that, and I turned around to be sweet mom with the cookies and the milk. And as I came around this corner, this little girl met me. Oh, mom, my art project was in my backpack. We got to bring them home today. If only I could take back that moment. And I knelt, embraced her in her little plaid jumper. Barrette's pulling back her hair. And I said, sweetheart, I am so, so sorry. And I thought, God, she made a mistake. And I made a mountain out of a molehill. And so very kindly, I said, sweetheart, I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? And she said, yes, Mommy. I forgive you. And to this day, she has never mentioned it again. That taught me a lesson. The power of forgiveness. The power of grace. We unpacked the backpack. We pulled out the two pieces of the art project and set about arduously trying to put it back together. For the rest of the days that we lived in that row house, her art project held a very special place of honor in her room. And that crack was imperceptible to all but me. But there were times I would go into that room and I would look at that art project and I would remember the power of grace and forgiveness. And you know, mothers don't always get it right. But when we are wrong, the right thing to do is to say, I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? So you say, okay, how does this fit with he restores my soul? Here's how it fits. What can't, ta be, what can't be taken back can be taken over by the Holy Spirit. He alone can redeem our mistakes. He helps us to move forward. He meets us. He ministers to us. He soothes us. He restores our soul. And then, I surely will. I'm so glad you asked. And then he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Okay, here's what I learned. Is it worth it that I'm vulnerable in sharing it with you? Does it help? Just tell me God can redeem that. Thank you. Oh, um, well, what can't be taken back can be taken over by the Holy Spirit. He alone can redeem our mistakes, help us move forward, and help us move forward. He meets us. He ministers to us. He soothes us. And he truly restores our souls. Let me ask you something. Do you have a soul that is in need of restoration? When you look at the famous 
world-class art museums around the world. You think of the Uffizi in Florence. You think of the Louvre in Paris. You think of the Hermitage in St. Petersburg. And then there's the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam. Those museums employ the finest of craftsmen and, 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 and uh, people of expertise to take the masterpieces that have been damaged by either age or war or mistreatment or water. They take very seriously the restoration of those masterpieces. They take the paints that are exactly right. They take the brushes that are absolutely customized for that particular section of that mural. And the Vatican, when they did the restoration in the ceiling of the Vatican museums, the work that was required to protect, preserve, restore these masterpieces, it was astounding. And it is astounding. But I want to tell you something. Your soul is the masterpiece of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He wants to restore your soul. Stop trying to hold it together with super glue and band-aids. Give him your soul. Let him restore it as only he can do with his hand with his brushes, with his paints. And do you know what? When he's done with it, he's going to sign his name, the Lord Jesus Christ, right across the bottom. And I can't wait to be there when he pulls back the curtain and lets you see what he's done. When he restores your soul. Celebrate the supernatural secret of a soul at rest. Celebrate the supernatural secret of a soul that knows the power of release. Oh, but celebrate, celebrate the power of the words. He restores my soul. Let's pray. How thankful we are, Father, that we belong to you. And we offer to you our souls, wherever they are, whatever work of restoration that they need. And we ask you to get to work. And we can't wait to see what you do. And all along the way, thank you that you have promised your presence. And there's going to be a day in heaven, and we're going to look back on this. We're going to sing it and say it. It is well with my soul. In Jesus' name, I pray.